Okay, so Atheist Disciple, today in part 12, for your notes on your handout, today I want to talk to you about finally being a disciple. Amen. We are finally there. Now, put the, the 12 sermons up here where you can see we started from atheism, agnosticism. We went to understanding grace, joining the church, reading your Bible, spending time with God, worshiping with your heart, giving God everything. And now I want to tell you something, okay? For 12 weeks, I've been wanting to tell you this. This series is not a chronology of the Christian life. I've been implying to you, implying for 12 weeks, that these are steps to get to the point where you are a disciple of Christ. But that is really not uh, the chronological order of doing things. In fact, I want to say something that I hope shocks you, and that is this. Every one of you that are saved, if, you, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, today part 12 is actually part 1. You started here. Do you know the day that you got saved in that millisecond when you realized somebody gave their life for you and you can't get to heaven without him and you can't even hear from God without Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Has, when you realize that in that second you were a disciple of Christ, you would have given anything. If he said, I want you to sell everything you have and give it to the poor that day, you would have done it. You could not wait to join a church. You could not wait to get in your Bible. You were so excited about spending time with God. You would have worshipped with hands lifted, hearts open, all of that the day you got saved. And then what happened? The world has a way of depleting our faith. The world has a way of, you know, you get around the wrong people and they pour gossip into your spirit. And you start watching the wrong things and this lust starts coming into your heart. And then you go to work and you want more money and more things and these worldly pleasures. And you started with part 12. You started with being a disciple and something happened. A, a church hurt your feelings. You're not even part of a church anymore. You, 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 you're focused on your sins and you forget all about understanding grace and all these things that bring you down more and more and more and more. So here's the good news. Knowing that you started with being a disciple the day you got saved, that means this. You can be a disciple today. You don't got it. These, these 12 steps, forget all that. Start over today. Give Him everything today. Go back to the way you were the minute you got saved. The love that was in your heart. The excitement for Jesus. It can all start over today. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That means you're unashamed. You know, the, the ba water baptism is like a wedding band. It lets everybody know you're saved and you're unashamed. Teaching them, here's the big word for today. Here's what disciples do. To obey what I have commanded you. A disciple obeys, whether they feel like it or not. Whether their, their, their desires line up with it or not. Whether they understand it or not. When God says move, you move. When he says jump, you say how high. When he says give, you say how much. That's what a disciple does. They obey. So I have three points for you today for your notes. Pull out your hand down your pens. Point number one is this. Disciples believe the word. The word of God is the final authority of their life. You don't have to know it to believe it. You don't have to understand it all to believe it. You just have to know when it comes to any area in my life, the word of God is the final authority. When it comes to parenting, the word of God is the final authority. When it comes to how to deal with my enemies, the word of God is the final authority. When it comes to my finances, the word of God is the final authority. You have to believe that if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, let me ask you a question. Uh, where, what causes death? Now, what causes destruction and death in our lives? And of course, we're all going to say sin because the wages of sin is, is death. Okay, but I want to go deeper. What causes sin? What causes death? What causes sin? Stay with me. Genesis 2.16, God told Adam and Eve this. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day you eat from it, you shall surely die. 
Here's what God was saying. When I say do something and you don't do it, death's going to occur. When I say don't do something and you do it, death's going to occur. Now, if, if those of you that like to study theology and hermeneutics, this is the, the law of first mention is in place here, which is the first time the human race ever heard the word death or die. Just for your notes, you can write this. The first time death is ever mentioned ever in the history of planet Earth is the first time you ever see die or death. So God said, if you do what I say, if you don't do what I say, you'll die. If I tell you not to do it and you do it, you're going to die. Now, here's what Satan came in and said. And I put both scriptures up there so you see it. Satan said in Genesis 3, 4, you won't surely die. The same words. What God said isn't true. Don't believe what God said. Don't believe the words out of God's mouth. God said this, don't believe it. In fact, I'll tell you the exact opposite. This is what you should believe. What God said isn't true. God said you'll surely die. You will not surely die. Um, uh, God said that you can be confident because you're a child of him. The world says that you need to be insecure unless you look a certain way or have a certain amount of money. Which one are you going to believe? God says I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The world says that you're alone unless you're dating somebody. Which one are you going to believe? Which one? You, you, every day we have a choice. Adam and he had a choice. Am I going to believe what God says or am I going to believe what the devil says? They did not sin until they disbelieved God. They did not sin. They didn't die until they disbelieved what God said. What I'm trying to tell you is don't focus on your behavior in life. Don't ever focus on, I need to be a good person. I need to stop cussing. I need to stop looking at this bad stuff. I need to be a giver. I need to be kinder. I need, don't ever focus on behavior. Focus on belief. Because you will behave based on what you believe. Whatever you believe is what you're going to do. If you really believe, not in your head, but if you believe in your heart what the Bible said about heaven, you would be so excited when it's your time to die. If you really believed what the Bible said about heaven, when you have loved ones that die and you know they're saved, you would throw a party. You wouldn't be upset. If you really believed what the Bible said about tithing and how we're blessed and he rebukes the devourer, you could not wait to tithe. But the world says, no, when you give, you're missing out and you're losing something. If you really believe what the Bible said about worship and how when our hands are in the air that God goes out and fights our battle for us like Aaron and Ur and Hezekiah and, 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 and um, uh, let's see, Hezekiah, Jehoshaphat. If you really believe that, you would worship. But then the world says, no, people are looking at you. You don't deserve to lift your hands. You did something bad three days ago. Whatever you believe is what you're going to do. Matthew 9, 27, two blind men said, Jesus, heal us. He said this, do you believe that I can heal you? They said, of course we do. In verse 29, Jesus touched their eyes and said, become whatever you believe. Your future is based on what you believe today. Next year is going to, be, it's going to happen based on what you believe is really best for you. What you believe will really make you happy. What you believe will really bring peace and contentment to your heart. Whatever you believe in those areas is the direction you're going to go in. You will act based on what you believe. That's why our only goal in life, the only goal from today forward until we die, is to believe whatever God's word says. Believe what he says about healing today, because one day you're going to be sick. Don't wait till you're sick to try to get it inside of your heart. Get it inside of your heart today. Believe what God's word says about forgiveness, because you're going to have some enemies in the future. Believe what God's word says about himself if you really would get in, the, if you would really get in the word and, and, and believe and believe what God says about Him, you would never worry. You'd never feel insecure. You'd never be afraid of COVID. Whatever the president does would not move you if you believe what the word said about Himself. If you believe what this says about you, 
about you. You wouldn't have to try to force yourself to fit in in these cliques and do these other things so people will like you. If you really believed, Proverbs 4.20 says, Pay attention to what I say. My word is life and health to all who find it. Listen, Satan's first attack on human beings was to cast doubt on the word of God. That was his first attack. Don't believe what God said. Believe the opposite. Okay, I'm going to tell you, this is a secret. The only attack he has in your life, the only attack still to this day, is to get you to disbelieve what God says. Every demon, every attack, everything that comes against you, depression, discouragement, enemies, you know, uh, children that aren't doing right, all of that, the only thing is to try to get you to not believe what God's word says. That's his only attack to this day. Anything you're battling today is because you don't believe what God's word says. Um, if his word is health, if his word is life, I need you to really get this inside of you. God did not give us his word so we could make him happy. He gave us his word so that we would be happy and we would be successful and we would be prosperous. And we would, whenever you disbelieve the Bible, you're essentially disagreeing with joy. You're disagreeing with prosperity. You're disagreeing with, you're disagreeing with contentment. When you really believe the word, you can go to the cross and die upside down like some of the disciples and be content about it because you really believe what God says. You, don't, you won't need things or money or to look a certain, whatever it is that you think is going to bring you joy if you really believe. Romans 10, 17 says this, faith or belief comes by hearing the word of God. When you got saved, you couldn't wait to hear it. And then you go through life and you watch bad things and you listen to stuff and it starts depleting your faith and turning you into something else. And you start to believe things that aren't even true. I was in the mall a few years ago and I was happy when I walked in. I was by myself and um, I'm a musician so there's always a tune that if I hear a tune, it just stays in me. And I don't even realize it. I'm just singing it and humming it. And I and there's a song that was playing in the mall, and for like 30 minutes, I was humming, and the chorus goes, I'm not alone. The chorus goes, I'm a, I'm, I walk alone, I walk alone, I walk alone, I walk alone. After 20 minutes of that in my head, I, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to feel so lonely. It was like something came over me. And so I had to change the word. I had to change the word. I'm not alone, I'm not alone. Because the Bible says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. This song playing in my head says, I'm alone, I'm alone, I'm alone, I'm alone. Someone's lying. And then about two or three months ago, I don't know if I should even tell you all this, but I was visiting um, my friend Mark where he works. And I've never heard this song in my life, okay? And this song they did, and, and for like two weeks it was stuck in my head. And all I remember is the chorus that goes, da 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 And then I got high. Na, 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 na. And then I got high. I'm a pastor and I'm going around singing this for days. I'm just going to the house. Na, 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 na. And then I got high. <laughs> I had to change the words. I was like, okay, okay. Na, 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 na. I'm with the most high. <laughs> na, 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 na. I'm with the most high. <laughs> you got to do whatever it takes to get faith. Because whatever you're hearing is going to affect what you believe and whatever you believe is going to affect the direction that you go in life. Adam and Eve did not believe what God said, right? They didn't believe and they died. Okay, listen. When we teach our children to obey us, we're essentially teaching them to believe what we say is true. 
That's really what we're teaching our kids. This is why you should never lie to your children. Don't ever say you're going to take them somewhere and not do it. Don't ever say, I'm going to put you in timeout for 10 minutes and they're only there for five minutes. You have to keep your word. Because if you don't keep your word when they get older and you tell them, if you do this drug, it's very addictive and it's going to take you to a harsher drug. And then a harsh, they won't believe the thing. Oh, they're just exaggerating. If you, if you don't wear your seatbelt and someone else comes and hits you, you could die. Eh, mom and dad don't know. You have to tell the truth when you speak to your children. That's the only goal is when we teach them to obey, we're saying, believe what I say. Believe what's coming out of my mouth. And I'll give you the analogy. It's like if my daughter, my, my, I have five kids, my daughter's the youngest one. If she's on the other side of the road and she wants to walk over to me and there's a parked car in, next to her. So she doesn't see the oncoming car. But her daddy can see things she can't see. So when I say stop, princess, stop, it's not because I'm trying to prevent her from having fun or enjoy life or having, you know, success. No, no, it's the opposite. I'm stopping her because her daddy can see what she can't see is going to kill her. It's going to bring death to her life. Your father can see things you can't see. He knows things you don't know. So when he says, don't go in this direction, all he's trying to do is stop death in your life. We don't want our children to believe what we say based on experience. We want them to believe what we say based on faith in our words. People say life is such a good teacher. Life is a horrible teacher. Now most kids nowadays learn from experience. We don't want that. We don't, I don't want my daughter to say, you know, let's see if dad's telling the truth. She steps out, the car hits her and says, you know what? My dad was telling the truth. I've learned from experience what he says is right. We don't want that. We want her to say, I believe what my dad says. And then in the future, she sees that car go by. Thank God I had faith in what my dad was saying. That's what we want our kids to learn. Listen, when you disbelieve your father, you'll die. When you disbelieve what he says, you will die. Death is not believing our father. So God said in Genesis 3.22, the Lord said, man, now they're, they're going to know good and evil. Because they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Good and bad. Good and bad. Everybody say good and bad. Okay. God never wanted us to live life based on good and bad. It was never his intention for us to walk through life thinking, what's the right thing and what's the wrong thing? He wanted us to live our life based on a relationship with him and his word. His voice. He does. If there's a house, which house do I buy? The, the, which one's good? Which one's better for us? This one's cheaper. This one's in a better neighborhood, though. Which one? No. It's which house does God want you to have? Which job do I take? This one pays my money. I like the hours. No, not which one's better. Which one does God want you to have? He never wants us to live. This is a really good sermon, and some of y'all look at me like deer in the headlights today. I'll, I'll leave now. I won't even get to the other two points. Okay. <laughs> Satan took dominion because Adam and Eve believed him, right? Satan will have dominion over every area of your life that you don't believe God's word. The areas in your life right now that Satan has some authority in your life, here's why. You just don't believe what God said. That's it. Now, you're probably going to have to learn from experience. I wish you would learn by faith. I wish you would believe today what he says is best. Okay, point number two is this. Don't believe my emotions. <laughs> believe the word. Ignore your emotions. Emotions are liars. Feelings are liars. First Corinthians 3.3, 3, you are immature and unspiritual. 
when you're under the control of emotional impulses. I realize God created you with emotions. Uh, the Holy Spirit has emotions, but we were never called to be led by them. We were never called to act based on how we feel ever. That is how children live. Babies do what feels good. Toddlers do what feels good. That is not the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Psalms 134.2. Lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. I don't feel like doing that today. I don't care. Does it say when you feel like you do it? Does it you're, you, listen, either Jesus is your Lord or your emotions are your Lord. But one of them you're going to have to obey in life. Because they don't always line up. Lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord whether you feel like it or not. Luke 6, 27, do good to those who hate you. Ah, no, anything but that. <laughs> it's like a vampire with the sunlight on their face. I don't want to do good to people that hate me. It's listen, whether you feel like it or not, you do it. You know why? Because the Bible says do it. You do it because that's what God says. And when you do what God says, you have life. When you don't do what God says, you have death. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter in the Bible. Never in the whole love chapter does it say if you feel love, then love. Never. Love is patient and kind whether you feel like it or not. Love is never proud or rude whether you feel like it or not. Love is not overly sensitive or easily offended, ladies, whether you feel like it or not. I said it out loud. I thought I was just thinking that. My bad. I didn't know that came out of my mouth. Lord, forgive me and bless the pygmies. I'm so sorry. Okay. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. I don't keep a record of wrongs. No, I forgive. But back in 1972, when you asked me if this dress made me look fat, you hesitated before you said, you would never hesitate to your mother. Listen, don't keep a record of wrongs whether you feel like it or not. In marriage, you don't always feel love. You feel love when you're at the altar. You feel love on your honeymoon. You don't always feel it in life. In fact, a few weeks ago, I was feeling the opposite of love in my marriage. I was feeling, hey, my wife tried to kill me a few weeks ago. I should probably explain. So I will, and I'm glad. I've been waiting for an opportunity to do this. So my wife's a vegan, not to be confused with a vegetarian or a Presbyterian. And so she doesn't eat animal products. No butter, no milk, nothing that tastes good. And so she still, she still makes me animal products. And so she was making my lunch for the next day. I wanted egg salad sandwiches the next day for lunch. And so she makes it at night so I can take it with me and do my thing. And so at 11 o'clock at night, she's boiling eggs. And so I went ahead to bed, okay? She goes to bed at 11.30. The next morning, she gets up at 7 a.m. and goes to work. At 7.30, I wake up. And the reason I wake up is because there's a smell so bad like burnt tires through the entire house. When I opened my eyes, there was so much smoke on the inside of our house, I could not see three feet in front of me. We also realized our house does not have any um, fire detectors or smoke detectors, which now we're going to get. But anyway, that was good news of this. So smoke is so bad, I can't even see in front of me. And I look, and there's no doors or windows open to the house. And it smells up. And so I grabbed my cell phone to call 911 because I figured the house is on fire. And my phone, I turned it off at night. So it takes 20 seconds for it to, you know, load up. So during the 20 seconds, I looked to try to find where the fire's at. I first run upstairs because all my comic book collection's upstairs. And there was no fire up there. Then I go downstairs to the kids' room to check on them. And they're okay. <laughs> Just kidding. My kids weren't there that day. But that was really funny, though. I didn't think of that. 
But anyway, so I'm looking for the fire. So finally my phone comes on for me to hit 911 and the first text I see is from my wife and she says, I left the eggs on all night long. To which I replied with about 150 texts. What the heck is wrong with you? You could have killed me. Why did you not open up a door or window? And I'm calling her off the hook. I'm, she's not answering her phone. I'm getting madder and madder and madder by the seconds. Calling, read out, read out, read out, read out. She's not accepting my call. I'm texting, I'm texting, I'm texting, I'm texting. I could have been dead. I just took out a life insurance policy on myself three months before, which is kind of weird about the whole thing. I'm getting more and more upset, more and more upset. I'm trying to teach her through these texts how to repent. All I want you to say is, all I want you to say is, I should have opened up a door or a window so you wouldn't die. I'm sorry. That's all I wanted her to say. Now, I knew y'all wouldn't believe her excuse unless I showed you, so I screenshotted our text. Now, after about a hold on a minute, hold on, hold on. This is my time. I have the microphone. You don't. So, so hold on. Take the scripture off. Okay, listen. So after about a hundred texts, she texts me and says, this is literally one of our biggest issues in relationships. You text and bombard people at the worst times. I'll accept that as my responsibility of this situation, okay? That is true, I do that, okay? Next text. Now finally she decides to repent after me teaching her. And she, and there's one sentence in here I want you to see, okay? She says, I didn't think leaving a door open and then, wait, 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 no. Oh, I didn't think to open a window. Here's her excuse, ready? You ready? Because, take it back, Micah, take it back! Because I've never opened up a window before. That's why I'm dead and in heaven? Because you've never opened up a window before? What is wrong with you? And I said to her, I said, honey, I could have died. She said, there was no fire. I said, I could have died of carbon monoxide poisoning. She said, where'd you hear that from? Kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. The whole world knows that. For three days, our house smelled like burnt tire. Okay, here's the point of this. What is my point? Hold on a minute. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Love doesn't always feel like being patient and kind. Don't do what I do, do what I say. Okay, that's the point. Okay, Exodus. So the children of Israel, they are with a promise. They have the Red Sea on one side and Pharaoh's army on the other side. When the children of Israel saw Pharaoh approaching, they became full of fear and they cried out to God. Listen, Satan has no new tricks. He's trying to get you to be led by your emotions because Satan knows if your emotions are leading you, the word of God is not. Y'all still, I can still preach, right? Y'all still with me? <laughs> Poor little vegan, yeah? Listen, for your notes, write this down. It is a joy to be married to John Paul and live in the same house with him. You write that down right now. Okay, so they're full of fear and they cried out. And Moses knew God can't operate when your emotions are in control. So in verse 14, he said, the Lord will fight for you if you'll just remain calm. Settle yourself. Don't put it all over Facebook if you're an emotional person. Don't tell everybody you see about it. Don't let your emotions control your mouth. Don't let them control your mouth. We can't live that. So finally, after they remained calm, in verse 15, the Lord spoke. After they got calm, then the Lord spoke. Hold up your staff. I don't feel like holding up my staff. I feel like crying. I'm afraid. And there's COVID. And there's the economy and the present. Hold up your staff, Moses. 
Do what I say and I'll do what you can't do. I'll open up the Red Sea and I'll destroy your enemies. We cannot live by emotions and the word of God at the same time. We have to choose one. We have to choose the other. I can't change how I feel. I'm not asking you to. I am not asking you to change how you feel. I'm just asking you, don't let your feelings control you. That's all I'm saying. Um, I'll tell you a little secret. A few weeks ago, once every two years, I throw myself a huge pity party. It's just a really great party. I have elephants and clowns and alcohol. and It's just a great pity party. I'm just kidding. I don't have elephants. And so I throw myself this pity party. And um, a few weeks ago, I wanted to quit. And I was already working on my resignation letter. I had it all ready. I was going to pass it out. I had dreams of walking on the beach and taking my cell phone and throwing it into the ocean and just walking off into the sunset, never hearing from any of y'all ever again. I was so excited. I was sleeping like a baby thinking about how I was going to quit and never have to pastor or anywhere by that again. Um, I was getting a lot of attacks and battles from the, the stuff going on with the new property and you know, just all these things going on in my life. And I didn't quit, of course. And, and, and the reason I didn't quit uh, is not because I love you all or anything like that. I do love you, but I don't do any of this for y'all at all. Um, if I did this for you, that means if you disapprove of me, it's going to upset me. I don't do any of this for you. I don't care if you like me. And I do this for God. Because the Bible says everything we do, we do is unto the Lord. Everything we do. So don't write me any letters and say anything nice about me because it makes me sick. When you don't, don't say, oh, we love you and you're such a good pastor. Don't do any of that. Because when you do that, it makes me feel like you don't know who I am. Because I'm not a good person. I'm not. I'm, uh, my best sermon is filthy rags. I'm the chief of all sinners. I am white trash. I am disgusting. Um, I'm no good. So don't ever think that. Don't ever put me on a pedestal. Only Jesus and Jesus alone belongs on that. So don't ever, you know, try to say anything. Well, what blesses me, it blesses me when you say things like, I'm more in love with Jesus than I've ever been. Or I can't wait to get in the word now. Or I love my discipleship group and God's changed. That's what I want to hear what God's done in your life. So don't ever try to make me feel good by saying nice things. I just throw those cards away. They mean nothing to me. Um, I did not um, uh, not quit because God parted the heavens and said, I need you, John Paul. He doesn't need me. I'm a gnat in his face. He does not need me. It's, it's a joy to serve him. It's a privilege. Uh, but he does not need me. He's God. Okay. The reason I didn't quit um, <laughs> is because, and I'm going to tell you this, this truth, I wish I had known this when I was in high school. I really wish I had known this when I was in my 20s. I really wish I had known this when I was in my early 30s. And I finally, finally got it, okay? The reason I didn't quit is because I've learned the truth that emotions come and emotions go. Yeah. Feelings come and feelings go. What you feel when you're in your teens, you don't feel when you're in your 20s. What you feel in your 20s, you don't feel when you're in your 30s. When you're in your 80s, you don't feel nothing. <laughs> but pain, I guess. I don't know what you feel there. But feelings come and feel, you know, I was so, I was so, I, I, I was just so, with this whole building thing and this whole vision, I'm the kind of person where I don't do something unless I know I'm going to succeed. Otherwise, I don't even play in the game. And I, I kept having all this fear. Nobody's going to give. Nobody cares. I'm the only one who's going to say, the whole world's selfish. And then, and, and then I was just like, I'm not even going to do it because I don't want to do it and say it and then it not happen. And then I went over to Dave Potter's house for dinner and he filled me with faith. And then I left there thinking, now everybody's going to give. And I don't deserve to be a pastor because I was going to quit. I'm a horrible person. God, I was going to, okay. Feelings come and they go. 
Don't ever let them leave. If you ever want to be led by something that's going to last forever, Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. That's what we live by. Third point, real quick, is this. Disciples obey his voice. They obey. James 1.25, God will bless you in everything you do if you listen and obey. It's not enough just to hear from God. You hear from God every single day. You hear from Him every Sunday. He speaks in this place. You hear, but it's not enough to listen. You have to obey. So Jesus was at, his, at a wedding. It was the first recorded miracle. Um, Mary was there, his mom, and, the, and, and at the wedding, they ran out of chocolate milk. If you're a Baptist, okay? If you're from Solid Rock, they ran out of margaritas. But they ran out of wine is what happened. They ran out of wine. And so Jesus' mother said, Jesus, I need you to do something. He said, it's not my time. She said, I'm your mom. You better do it. And so in John 2, verse 5, Jesus' mother told the servants, whatever Jesus tells you, you ready? Just do it. Now, real quick, Nike owes Jesus millions of dollars, okay? <laughs> millions of dollars. But if you want a miracle in your life, whatever Jesus tells you, just do it. Don't make excuses. Don't complain. Don't let your emotions lie to you. Whatever he tells you, just do it. He's not trying to make your life hard. He's not trying to take something away from you. He's trying to release a miracle in your life. He's trying to do something supernatural. You want to break through? Whatever he tells you, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Thank God told the people to build him a church. In the Old Testament, Haggai 1-2, the people procrastinate. In other words, they planned on doing it. They were going to get around to it sooner or later. No, no, no. When God speaks today, he's not talking about three years from now. He's talking about today. They procrastinate. The time has not yet come to build the Lord's house. Although Cyrus ordered it 18 years ago. Listen, one day will turn into 18 years when you procrastinate. I bet the, the, the first year they thought, oh, there's a lot going on with the kids and they want to build a church. We can't do it. Year two, COVID hit. We can't build a church when there's COVID. Well, because God said you could. No, COVID. Uh, year three, the prices are too high. Lumber's too much. When God says do it, that's when you move. So what happens when we procrastinate? Verse three, the word of the Lord came by Haggai and said this. Is it time for you to live in expensive houses while the Lord's house lies in ruins? Consider your ways. You earn a lot of things, but it's like you're putting them in bags with holes in it. Here's what this is saying. You have a lot of stuff. But you're not fulfilled in life because you're not doing the one thing God's telling you to do. Amen. You can have money, you can have things, you can have friends, you can have all this stuff in life. But if you're not doing the one thing God says for you to do, you'll be like walking around and all your blessings are just falling through holes in your pockets. You're never going to be fulfilled in life. Never. Um, I heard this fictitious story. Um, I think it took place at the Myrtle Beach Convention Center. And um, Satan called all of his demons together for a big convention. Maybe it was at the 501 Walmart. I don't know. But they all grabbed it there. And, um, and, and, and three demons were graduating from demon training. And so the MC demon said, okay, demons, tell everybody in Satan what you're going to do to deceive God's people. And the first demon grabbed the microphone. He said, I'm going to tell everybody there's no such thing as God. And Satan said, what are you talking about? Everybody knows God is real. You're not going to have much success with that. I'll give you a D plus. The next demon grabs the mic and he says, I'm going to tell everybody there's no such thing as heaven or hell. That life on earth is all there is. 
And Satan shook his head with disgust. He said, no, everybody knows there's more than just life on earth. I'll give you a C minus. Finally, the third demon was so nervous after hearing what Satan said about the other two. And he grabbed the microphone. He said, okay, I'm going to tell everybody there's a God. I'm going to tell them that heaven and hell is real. But I'm going to let all of them know they can choose some other time. They can obey God, just not today. They can put it off to a more convenient time in life. Satan stood up from his chair and he said, you, my friend, will deceive millions. Listen, Hebrews 11.1, the faith chapter says this. Now, faith is. It's not tomorrow. You might not be here tomorrow. Some things that God puts in your life, there's just an open window for you to step out and do it. You might not be here next week. You don't want to die having disobedience in your life. Obey what he's asking you to do today. Everybody say today. Today. Your last story, let's go. Um, I was pastoring at a a, a storefront church years ago, and um, there was a lady that was over one of the Bible studies and another lady that was over all the Bible studies. And the one lady doing the Bible study, she wasn't ending on time, and she forgot to open up in prayer a few times, stuff like that. So the lady in charge just told her, hey, you know, we need you to make sure you're ending on time, make sure you're opening in prayer. And this lady got so offended. She said, what, what, you, why are you correcting me? I'm doing the best I can. What's wrong with you? And the lady said, no, no, I'm not correct. I'm just instructing you. We're just trying to do it. No, you don't think I can do anything right. I demand a meeting with the pastor, which I hate meeting with y'all. But anyway, and so <laughs> I met with the lady and her husband came, of course, as well. I had him there. And so I said, what's the problem? Well, this... She's telling me I'm doing wrong. And then in one sentence she said, she treats me just like my mom did growing up. And I said, just like your mom did? I said, what are you, what are you talking about? Oh, my mom was such an evil person. And after we talked about 20 minutes, I discovered her mom, her, her real mom had abused her all growing up. And, and from that point on, she never had a female friend, never could stay at a job where there was any female over her, never could stay at a church. She's crying her eyes out. Tell me all this. I said, oh, oh. I said, praise God. I said, that's great. It has nothing to do with this other lady in church. It all has to do with the root of bitterness in your heart from 35 years ago. Guess what? Today's the day we're going to forgive. We're going to pray this through. You're going to repent for having unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart and all this for all these decades. We're going we're gonna to ask. I'm not asking you to call your mom. I'm not asking you to be in a relationship with your mom. I'm not asking you to trust your mom. I'm just saying we're going to forgive. So I bow your head and pray, Lord Jesus. And I didn't hear anything. No, 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 come on. Lord Jesus. I didn't hear anything. I looked, I said, no, no, now's the time. We're going to forgive us. Your whole life's going to change. We're going to start it right now. And I'll never forget, she stopped crying. She said, I'm not ready to forgive her. I said, your mom is still abusing you to this day, you know. She's still destroying your life to this very day. You got today's the day. And her husband said, he didn't say nothing except, he looked at me and he said, I've been trying to get her to do this for 16 years. They got up, walked out, I never saw them again. Listen, that was the perfect time. You know why? Because God brought it to light. It was the perfect time. Everything could have changed. Now everything could have changed. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. I'll forgive, just not today. I'll forgive when the pastor preaches on it. I'll forgive when I feel it. If I could just feel like doing it, then I'll do it. No, 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 no. Whether you feel it or not, you obey.
General Patton, the, the very you know, headstrong, stone-faced, famous general, he was looking for um, a man to fill a leadership position in his, in his army, all the people he had in charge. So he got eight guys he was looking at seeing who was going to fill this position. He took the eight guys over to this big pile of land. And he said, I need y'all to dig for me an 11 foot by 11 foot trench. 11 foot wide, 11 foot deep trench. And then he walked away. General Patton stood behind a little building where he could still hear and see what was going on. And the eight guys there, one of the eight guys all of a sudden said, how does he expect us to do this without the proper tools? Another guy said, I can't believe he asked me to do this. I'm a leader. This isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Out of the eight men, there was a third guy. He was already on his hands and knees, using his hands, just digging that dirt and digging that dirt. And he looked at the other seven guys and he said, y'all shut up and just do it. General Patton jumps out from behind the building where he was hiding. He said, I found my man. I found my man. The one that refuses to make excuses for why the job can't get done. The one that's willing to obey no matter what. He's the guy I want in that position. Listen, God is looking to fill some positions. He's looking to fill some positions where he's going to do incredible miracles, supernatural parting Red Seas, healing bodies, restoring marriages, bringing money into your bank from some long lost relative that's died and gone to heaven. He's wanting to do great things. But he's looking for someone who will obey. Isaiah 119, if you're willing and obedient, we're all willing. Everybody in here wants to do it. That's not enough. If you're willing and obedient, the good things of the land will be yours. Listen, believe the word, ignore your emotions, and obey the voice of God. That's what it means to be a disciple.